Hello, Massimo and Susanna. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Can you see us okay? Yeah. Hi, Mom. <laughs> she just scooted out of the way, but you caught her. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for staying up and making the time to talk with us today. Sure. Our pleasure. <laughs> it's really good to see you guys. Yeah. You're going to probably notice a lot of familiar faces here. Yep. <laughs> You're good. But we're going to go ahead and we're going to get started, and hopefully we can pan around our room in a little bit and show you all the ladies who have come to hear you today. Actually, Great. Dave said we can do it right now. We'll give you a little pan. Everyone want to wave and say hello? Hi. I don't know if you can hear them, but there's shouts even coming from around the room. Uh, hi. Hi. <laughs> we see you. Hi. Well, we'll go ahead, and we want to ask some questions to you guys and find out more about what the Lord's doing there in Genoa. But one thing that we always love to start out with is just finding out how the Lord got you both to where you are now. So take a couple minutes just to tell us about how the Lord saved you and how he brought you together and showed you guys that you need to be missionaries in Italy. Hey, I'll let, I'll let Susanna kind of start. <laughs> um... Probably some of you have heard my testimony before, but um, I grew up in a Christian home, so just from very early, from the day I was born, I guess, I heard the gospel, and so, and the Lord saved me when I was young, very young, um, heard the gospel from my parents all the time, and believed it. <laughs> I just remember as a little girl, I knew I was a sinner, I knew I didn't want to go to hell. I knew I wanted to please the Lord and um, live my life for Him. So, um, nothing. And then I know as you're, you get older, you need to have confirmation. And so I always, I always wondered if it was genuine being so young. And um, I think just the Lord's faithfulness in my life um, and seeing Him work and seeing Him um continue to be faithful as proof, <laughs> so to speak. Um, and then, what was the second? How do we meet? How do we come oh. the mission field? <laughs> we, we met at Grace Community Church. We were serving on high school staff. Um, and, yeah, met. I was um, actually worked at the church as a secretary there for um, high school junior high pastors. And so, and then Massimo was helping out with, music and running sound and stuff um, in high school ministry. And so um, that's where we met, and the rest that's where it started. started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, and I think just to add on, on, on my side, um, yeah, I, I grew up in Grace Community Church. I heard the gospel uh, for the first time when I was in kindergarten, um, and uh, that's where the Lord saved myself and my parents. Um, Grew up through, through student ministries there, college ministries. Had a lot of doubts maybe late in high school and in college at times about my faith. Not not maybe so much regarding um, uh, the truth of the gospel, but more myself and my own. You know, was I was I saved? Um, and uh, the Lord the Lord graciously uh, worked through those um, uh, doubts and, and brought me to a set of confidence in, in Christ and His sacrifice for me. And um, I think from, from uh, like Susanna mentioned, we met in high school staff and, and got, got married. But I think from those times, once the Lord brought me to a, 
a real settled confidence in, in, in my own interest in Christ and my love for him. I, I think that from that, that point, uh, I was working as an engineer um, there in the San Fernando Valley at, at uh, Rocketdyne and then uh, in, in Canoga Park and then also for St. Jude Medical in Silmar, which maybe you passed off the five in Oxford there for those of you that drive up to Santa Clarita. And uh, I just was never content uh, fully working as an engineer. It was something that I could do, but it wasn't uh, satisfying and, and had these in, internal desires to serve the Lord and, uh, and, to, and to evangelize. And, and, and at the same time, um, I started asking uh, questions of the, of the pastors and elders there uh, at Grace Community Church about these desires and asked for their help and oversight in terms of discerning whether or not the Lord was calling me to, um, to ministry, and, and, a, and a number of the pastors were very helpful and gracious to, to help me work through that, and and, um, and it was all at the same time where, uh, for those of you that have been around Grace Community for many years, you might remember back in 2000, 2001, 2002, when Pastor John was going to Italy and doing conferences there, and, and so Italy was getting an exposure at Grace Community Church that it hadn't had, you know, in the 90s or the 80s, and, uh, and so... Um, I, being Italian-American, that struck my interest, and I think that us, our decision to move to, or to, to leave engineering and go to seminary and train for ministry and then go to the mission field was kind of inter intricately wound in those years uh, of, of being exposed to the different needs for the gospel here in Italy, and I think from the time that we decided to, to with, the elder, with the elders and pastors help to, to pursue ministry, I, I don't think there was ever real... Uh, a doubt in our mind that we would go overseas. I think it was always that was kind of part of the the call, so to speak, to to move over to go to seminary and move overseas. Wow! And also along the way, God gave you some really cute children that we were able to see earlier, which we really enjoyed. So tell us about them. You have four beautiful children. Tell us a little about each of them. Um, oldest is Alessandro. He's 10, he's in fourth grade, and he's just super curious about everything. Um, Asks tons of questions, so he keeps me on my toes. <laughs> um, our daughter, Eliana, she's nine, and she's in third grade, and um, same thing. She follows her brother, being curious and asking questions, and um, she's kind of a typical girl, likes to mother her brothers, and um, a lot of people, when you're out and about, you're like, oh, poor thing, she's the only girl with all three boys, and I'm like, she holds her own, <laughs> she holds her own, so, um, and then the twins are Giuliano and Gianluca, they're six, they'll actually be seven next month, um, they're kind of our spunky little, we say they're going to grow up and be comedians. <laughs> they're our little, uh, just make us laugh all the time. Always full of mischief and some some funny thing that they're doing or saying. <laughs> now, Susanna, you were pregnant with the twins, correct, when you guys went out? I was. Okay, yeah. so you guys were sent out, if I remember correctly, 2010 by Grace originally, and you actually first started in the city of Perugia. So tell us about your time there and what that entailed. Yeah, uh, we, uh, first of all, you need to know that Susanna is a hero because we moved to Italy and we already had, you know, a two and a half year old and a one and a half, one and a half year old and about 
seven weeks before we moved to Italy, we already had our stuff shipped on a container. We'd already bought our plane tickets, already signed our apartment rental contract in Perugia in central Italy, and we found out Susanna was pregnant. And uh, we went to the doctor and, uh, you know, uh, found out there was two babies, not one. And so we, within a few months on the mission field, um, we uh, had four kids, three years and under. And uh, that um, obviously conditioned a lot of our early years on the field. Um, and I, and it, it wouldn't probably be right to not say that. I mean, a lot of missionaries, they go excited, let's go learn. Let's go learn the language. Let's jump into the culture and learn it in, in ministry. And we were just trying to survive. Um, with uh, with all the kids and uh, and, we, and the Lord was merciful. Somehow we learned Italian going to language school there in Perugia and uh, with private teachers in the university there and also um, just help from there's a local church that we were involved in um, that uh, we got our feet wet in ministry there um, and uh, and uh, got to serve in a church there. Um, which is what our original plan was to go work in that church, but things things didn't work out quite as we had originally planned, which happens frequently <laughs> in ministry. And, uh, and and so then the Lord brought us to, to where we are now. Great. And in his perfect sovereignty, you were brought to the city of Genoa that you're in right now. So tell us about what you're doing now there and how that came to be. What uh, drew you guys specifically to, to Genoa? Sure. Um, that's a good question. We... Um, as I said, we were in Perugia from 2010 to 2015, and it was clear that the time had come for us to um, start to look for other ministry opportunities there. And so we, uh, uh, at that time, perhaps you guys know um, uh, Lucio and Cristina Stanisci, who uh, are in Rome, and we were working with them in Perugia. And at that time, you know, it was clear that Lucio was headed to Rome to plant a church, and we just we were not convinced in our mind that that's where God uh, wanted us for ministry. It's a great ministry there, and we're excited for them. I, I, I am in touch with Lucio all the time about what's going on there, and I'm uh, very excited for that. Um, but we just were not convinced for our family that that was where the Lord uh, was directing us. And so we were doing some research, also thinking of staying in central Italy, um, when uh, our current, uh, the current couple that we're working with here in Genova, Matt and Johanna Johnston, were also uh, looking for a place to to serve in ministry as well, and um, Matt and Johanna um, are from Jerry Rags Church in Jupiter, Florida, and part of the GMI uh, family, and um, we just uh, kind of started talking about uh, ministry and found that we had we didn't know each other before we lived in Italy, and found that we had a lot in common. Uh, uh, you know, Matt being a disciple under Pastor Jerry Rags' ministry, I grew up at Grace Church with Pastor Rick Holland, who you know just uh, a lot of common friendships and connections, and so we um, uh, just kind of decided that we would start uh, going through a process of talking and dialoguing about ministry and theology and philosophy of ministry, and, and, and through that, the Lord brought us together, and the elders of both churches, both at Grace Community and then at Grace Emmanuel in Jupiter, Florida, just agreed that this is, the Lord's hand was in this, and we started researching different cities in Italy that needed the gospel. Italy is a, is a, is a country that has a desperate need for, for the gospel in just about every city. You can't really go wrong because there's probably not a, song, a sound or strong evangelical church. And so we started looking at some of the bigger cities in Italy that maybe have been overlooked. A lot of times missionaries will, will, will in, in most countries, will pick, let's go to the capital city or the next biggest city, and that's fine. There's great needs for the gospel there, but... We started looking through, just doing some research about the state of the gospel in different cities and went and visited some cities, even ones that you're familiar with, like Verona. Maybe you've heard of that city from Romeo and Juliet. 
I think is, is what it's famous for. And, uh, and, uh, another city, Brescia and, and, uh, and, and Prato. And then we just, uh, landed in Genoa, in Genoa where we are now. We went to the city and just, there, there's a, a huge city heart that we still to this day that we know of nothing remotely close to where we are in our doctrinal convictions. Uh, and, 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 uh, uh, there's some liberal Protestant churches and some kind of, uh, Pentecostal works and, and, uh, and also, um, oh, uh, some health, wealth, kind of prosperity gospel churches. And, and uh, so we just saw a great need for the gospel here. And, um, and so, uh, just providentially, the Lord directed us, uh, here along with the, with the oversight and help of the elders from both churches, uh, that Matt's from and the Grace Community with the elders there. And so that kind of is how we, 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 um, just wanted to be in a city where there's you have more access to different people. There's a lot of small towns and villages in Italy that need the gospel, but we just felt in the region we live in, there's nothing hardly going on for the gospel, and so it's the best starting point for for now, for the immediate future, and then hopefully for the long-term future as well. And tell us a little bit more about Genoa, now that you guys are there and have lived there for how long now? Uh, two years. Two so years. Exactly two years on a, on a probably... Yeah, February of two years ago, yeah. Okay. Tell us a little um, bit about it. Now that you've been there and you're experiencing it, and I think we're going to see a little bit of it here, too. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. I've made a, bit, a video for you that we'll show in just a couple seconds here, but uh, the, the city of Genoa, like you'll see in the video, is, uh, is, video is uh, 600,000 people in the city, which is a big city for Italy. It's the sixth biggest city in the country, which... What it's known for, it's the, um, it's the birthplace of Christopher Columbus, so there's a connection to uh, American history. And um, what, what I want you to know, I'm gonna, we're going to show you a video now, but it's a very densely populated city, and there's such great needs for, for, for the, the, the spread of the gospel. After the video, maybe I'll talk to you about a couple of the challenges that we found here in Genova that maybe we weren't as expecting in terms of the gospel that uh, uh, that we faced in this couple of years. And I'll explain that to you maybe in a moment, but go ahead and you can play the video so that you guys can just see a little bit about what we see in the city here every day, just some, some sights of the city so you know where what we see every day.
Well, that is a great video, you guys. Thank you so much. That is, gives us a really good taste of what Genoa is like. And ladies, I know you all want to go now, but just remember, it's a ministry trip, okay? <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, Massimo, fill in what you wanted to share with us. Yeah, I, I think um, what, I, what I didn't say was that you know our principal goal, obviously, in coming here was to start a church, um, a, a new church in, in Genoa, like I mentioned, there are there are very few churches, and I think what we've been surprised by, when you think of Italy, you think of a, of a, of a, a Catholic country, and it is. Don't get me wrong, there's Roman Catholicism is everywhere in Genova. When we lived in Perugia, there was a much stronger presence that I think of Roman Catholicism than I've, I've sensed here in the city, maybe because it's a bigger city. Um, but uh, Perugia, Central Italy, also just had a greater influence being under the Pope politically for longer than Genova ever was. And, and uh, here in, in Genova, what we've been found, what we've found is we speak with people. It's very rare that I speak with somebody who's really a practicing Catholic in, in Perugia that happened much more frequently. Um, the, the people that we speak with, whether on the streets, um, are, are, we, we face a lot of skepticism, a lot of atheism, um, a lot of people um, that, that just doubt that Jesus ever existed, that maybe there's other gospels out there that um, uh, there's a skepticism that um, was is much stronger here than I ever saw in Perugia. Not that it wasn't there, but um, and so in addition to the Catholicism, we've added a lot more and probably more predominantly conversations with people who are just tend to be just right right out unbelievers and, and uh, skeptics uh, with a kind of a Catholic baggage that they bring in their traditions. So. That's interesting. And it's interesting, too, even just the difference, like you are saying, from Perugia to now Genova. Now, tell us also, because obviously this was another big transition from your family after moving first from the States to Italy, and then a couple years later, then transitioning to a new city. So that means a new, obviously, church body, a new school, um, new friends and everything, a new home for the kids also. So, Susanna, tell us a little bit how that's been going and how your family's um, been working through that transition. Um, I'd say overall it's gone well. Um, I think any transition like takes probably about a year just to experience all the seasons of life <laughs> in a year. And so after you kind of live a year in a place, you can start, it starts to feel familiar um, and you start to feel a little more at home. Um, We've been here two years now, so we've kind of had two of those, <laughs> experiencing all the seasons and just, um, like, sicknesses and, you know, what do you do for, um, and then, you know, like, even here our city is so densely packed, like, parking is a big, you know, and so different times of the year when it's crowded, you know, holidays, what times, what, you know, just different all things you probably don't <laughs> think about, but... Stuff. Um, <laughs> You know, just little things. So I think by now it's gone, it's much better. The twins, I think, probably have it easier because they had not gone to school yet. So this was their first experience in school and first, you know, exposures really to having little friends. And um, so they're, they're pretty quick. Ellie and Sandra, I think, were a little bit slower just because they did – had gone to school in Perugia, they had made friends, and um, I think especially Sandro, he, he had done three years of school there, so he had some 
friends that he really missed um, initially. But I think now they've both um, acclimated. And they here in Italy, they for elementary school, you go first grade through fifth grade. You have the same class, same teacher, like all five years. And so Ellie and Sandro, I think it was difficult. They inserted into like classes that are already going, that are already kind of established. And so to insert yourself in that is a little bit, it's just harder. Um, so this is their second year, and I think this is much easier for them. Um, they seem like they've acclimated and inserted, and um, the twins just started first grade, so they're kind of starting out with a new class this year and new teachers, and um, so they're kind of starting at the bottom with everybody, which I think is a little bit easier for them as well. So it's overall going That's going well. Good, and another really exciting thing, one of the most exciting things about your transition now to Genoa is the church plant. And as we touched on in the video a little bit, that's one of the biggest highlights over the last couple of years. So tell us about that. Yeah, and, and as I talk about the church plant, keep in mind we're um, we're still in the very, very initial phases of what we're doing. Um, many, many missionaries that come to Italy to plant a church, it's about a, some of them it's like a 30- or 40-year project. And so... It doesn't happen overnight. We came to Genova um, with our ministry partners convinced that if the Lord was going to work, he was going to build uh, a church that, that around the life of the scriptures, around, uh, you know, the spirit gives life around the word of God. And so we just started doing a, a Bible study at my colleague's home on Sunday afternoon because we, we as families need it. We can't just like go out and evangelize all week and not think about our own, our own souls. You know, we're, people say you're pastors. Yeah, but we're also sheep too. You know, we need to, we need to be fed. And so we started a Bible study on Sunday afternoon. So we had a, a one contact when we moved to Genova through some, another mutual friend in the country who had been a young guy, Eduardo, who had been praying for a little while. He's like 21 or 22, praying that the Lord would bring pastors who are more um, reformed so that they could uh, start a church And uh, because there was nothing here in the city that he could attend. And so I think the Lord answered his prayers and brought us here. And so he was our only contact. And he started coming to the Bible study, and he contacted another guy who had been kind of jumping around churches for about 20 years because there was nothing healthy, remotely healthy in the city for him. And that, that uh, John Piero, he's been coming for the, for two years. And then another lady joined at the end of that, of 2016, has come, been coming ever since. And just over time, the Lord has just built a, a few, um, just a few people. Um, you know, we were out evangelizing on the streets in our early months, and people would ask us, you know, where our headquarters were as a church. And we're like, well, we don't really have it. We meet in our living room. And they're like, well, you guys have cults? And, um, and, and so we, uh, you know, which is a legitimate concern. And so we, we started, uh, the Lord provided the building that you saw in, in, in uh, you know, the Grace Community Church and other churches donated generously to help us remodel it and get it set for us to use as a church as a kind of a headquarters. And so we inaugurated that as a church building in uh, end of March of last year. And so from that time, the Lord has just brought, we've had a lot of visitors come through. We're actually in the middle of a kind of a process to try to officially form with church members, hopefully sometime late this spring is our goal. We've been going through a series of studies. We were doing, you know, we're preaching through the book of Mark, but going through a series of studies of what elders are and what 
baptism is and what the Lord's table is and, and what deacons are and what giving is and things like that. I just finished a series I taught on giving for a few weeks. And so just trying to prepare the few people that we have. I have to say, in terms of regular people that come every week, Outside of our two families, we have about six or seven people. But then, as you saw in the picture, sometimes there's Sundays where you just, that's the nature of church planting. You're just like, sometimes just people show out of no, out of nowhere. Um, and you're like, wow, like, where, where did all these people come from? Maybe they heard, they just came and visited, and maybe they might not come back, or they might, you know, from time to time. And so we're in those very early phases where um, we're just uh, trying to get to gain trust and, and, and get everything in order for when the Lord begins to save people. Um, and uh, so that's kind of where where we're at in terms of the church plant. Uh, we just started a midweek Bible study last week as well. We've added that now. And so we do Sunday morning worship services and midweek Bible study. So, Well, that is so exciting just to see how the Lord is using that already and bringing people. And obviously, like you mentioned, Massimo, one of the key components is when you're church planning, especially in a city like you're in, it's not like these people are believers just waiting to meet together, but you need to be evangelizing out there. And we've always been so encouraged by the heart that the Lord's given both of you to be evangelists for his sake, both when you're living here and in Italy as well. And so share with us some of those experiences. I know that a lot of times in your newsletters, there's just wonderful stories by God's grace, how you have the opportunity to share with people. So tell us a little bit about some of those experiences that you've had. Sure. Yeah, it, it, and that's I think what, what, what's important to maybe impress on on, on, on on your minds, just so you understand what the life we're living is primarily. Yes, we're trying to shepherd and disciple these five, six people that the Lord's bringing, but uh, we need to be out preaching the gospel and finding ways for us to be able to 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 spread the gospel to, un, to unbelievers. It's it's an Italian will set foot into an evangelical church as an unbeliever, but it all depends on the person. You know, there's a saying that behind every Italian is a mystery because you just don't know exactly where they're at. And, um, and, but a lot, many Italians already, there's, there's a, a prejudice where they won't set foot in an evangelical church. So you can't like, if you build it, they will come and then all of a sudden we have a church building. So they'll just show up in, in the church. Now there's a strong, um, there's a difficulty in getting them, so you have to go to them. You have to go and, and bring the gospel to them. And, and so we, uh, you know, we've been so encouraged just at the way the Lord has providentially worked to give us opportunities with people we would have never met. And I'll just tell you about a few of the people that were in, in, in sustained contact for the gospel's sake that um, encourage us. None of them, nobody has gotten saved yet in these two years, but we're encouraged by the opportunities the Lord has given us. And I want you to pray for these people as well. Um, for our dentist, John uh, Piero, uh, he was a man who was very skeptical when I went. We were just talking, and he would say, oh, the Bible says this, and the Bible says that about things that, you know, the Bible doesn't really talk about. And so I said to him, you know, well, where does the Bible say that? And it was like a, he was like a deer caught in the headlights um, because he realized he wasn't being honest about, about that. And so we've been meeting every, about every other week since May. And he's reading the Bible and asking questions, and it's almost as if he's believing when, when I uh, what I say. And when his skepticism rises up again, and I try to answer that, he seems to accept my answers, which is just very encouraging. And uh, so I don't know exactly what the timing is, and the Lord uh, working in his heart. But please pray for his salvation, and that the Lord would convict him of his sin. Um, and then we have a. Um, a a hamburger shop right around the corner from our church where there's uh, uh, the owner's names are Stefano and Laura. And uh, they were very curious by the fact that um, 
with what we were doing. They came over to our house for lunch on a Saturday, Sunday, which is another incredible thing that they would actually come to our house and have lunch. And uh, we, we had a common interest in barbecuing and uh, we barbecued all Sunday afternoon and they stayed at our house for like 10 hours. And for 10 hours on and off, we just talked about the gospel. And there was times where they just listened, like as if the, like their eyes were amazed by the fact that like, you believe in the resurrection, you know? And, and, uh, and uh, we continued a relationship. And with Stefano, I meet, actually just met with him this afternoon um, about every other week to talk about the, um, the gospel. Please pray for him. He's really has an obstacle in his mind trying to believe in the supernatural and mir- Jesus' miracles and things like that. Um, and then the Lord has opened up also some great opportunities with these two elderly sisters that live in the apartment above us, which we couldn't have providentially orchestrated that if we tried. But uh, Fabrizia and Elena, they come to our house from time to time for dinner. And the first thing that Elena said to me when I met her, I hadn't even, I had never, I didn't know her name. They had heard that an engineer was coming to live in their building. And I said, well, I used to be an engineer. And she says, the first thing out of her mouth, she says, how do you reconcile your scientific background with, with creation? You're not a creationist, are you? And, uh, and I said, well, guilty. <laughs> you know. And, and anyway, um, Elena is now coming to our house. Um, even like tomorrow morning she'll be here. But she comes from time to time, and we're working through these questions about creation and evolution. And, and, uh, and we've had opportunities to share the gospel. And they've come to our church uh, on uh, last Easter and on Christmas they came. And so... We're very encouraged. They haven't made a profession of faith, but we, we're just really encouraged by those opportunities that the Lord has given us. And we've tried some various forms of events as well for evangelism. We uh, did a, a conference to celebrate the 500th anniversary of the Reformation in October. And one lady that came actually has been coming every week since then. And then another lady comes about twice a month who's an unbeliever. She's coming to our worship services and Bible study. And so we're going to try some more of those um, we're just kind of, uh, and we're also trying to get to know families in the kids' school. Uh, you could pray that the Lord would open up opportunities through our children. Uh, that's another uh, one that we've built relationships, like Susanna said, it's taken a year or two to just get to trust with people. And so we're praying that the next step would be that people would actually, because you can tell they know what we do, and, and, and they are very kind of, as soon as they hear that, they don't ask many questions, at least in the kids' school. And so you can... You can pray that the Lord would open up those doors for us. Um, we've had, uh, we had about um, 10 or 13, I don't know, people in our home for Thanksgiving. We've used Thanksgiving because it's an American holiday. We have them in our home. We celebrated on Saturday, and we had a house full of unbelievers here just to build relationships with them and, and, uh, and was very encouraged by that. Um, so uh, there's other things that we do. We go out and talk to people on the streets as well. So just that's kind of the the primary emphasis that we're trying to give in this phase of what we're doing. So, Well, that's certainly a joy to hear about, and just the way the Lord obviously brings them to you and as you guys also go out to them. Um, tell us also, Massimo and Susanna, about, you know, it's always helpful for us to understand the relationship with all of our missionaries in Italy. Um, you're in a country where we have other GMI missionaries as well and the TMAI Italian Theological School. So how do you guys relate to them, and how often do you get to see them? Sure. Um, well, I would say I see them more often than Susanna does. Um, 
as prof we're, we're, you know, I'm kind of like an adjunct professor, uh, just teaching classes and also helping with some of the organizational kind of vision level administrative tasks from a distance. Um, the main headquarters of the Theological Academy is in Messina in Sicily, uh, the island where the boot is kicking, where Johnny and Alex Gravino are. And then um, we do kind of, um, we do co courses for training pastors uh, in preaching. And uh, right now uh, we're going to be opening our third campus outside of Sicily this next this year. Um, in uh, One in Mantova, which is about three hours from here. One in Rome. And then one in Perugia, the church we were actually at for five years, we'll be going back there and starting training, um, which is very encouraging for us to see after you know everything that we we went through for five years with them, that the, that the Lord is opening up the door to go through and train there um, in uh, starting this year. And so we see us, each other as professors. We conference call once a month, and then we have a retreat with as professors in the fall. But the wives. Um, don't really get to see each other, except for GMI missions conferences. So, <laughs> Well, it's neat because that's obviously two main facets of your guys' ministry. There is the church planting where you're at, and then obviously you also have a hand in training of generations of Italians as well. It's really exciting. Um, another aspect of how you've been serving Massimo, too, specifically, is with TMEI has produced a book the last two years before Shepherd's Conference where uh, men from each of the training centers have basically contributed a chapter um, to the book. And my husband's always a super big fan of your chapters, Massimo. But tell us about the most recent one, what your chapter um, talked about. Yeah, thank you, thank you for asking that question, because it's a very important uh, subject, I think, in light of what's going on in the world. Um, I wrote a chapter, uh, it was entitled, if I remember the title, was Should We Take the Road Back to Rome? An analysis of ecumenism. Um, now, in, in America, over the over the last couple decades, you've seen a movement within the evangelical church to embrace Roman Catholics and Roman Catholic churches as brothers, what people that we should unite with, um, because our differences aren't that aren't that substantial. They have been overcome. In fact, uh, uh, you know, the the Lutheran World Federation, uh, a group of them have have united with the Catholic Church. Um, saying that their obstacles on the doctrine of justification by faith alone has been um, has been uh, uh, overcome, so to speak, and that the Reformation can be undone. And I, this is a this is a very uh, important issue because what it does is it, it it we have we we risk not identifying Roman Catholics as a mission field when we embrace them as brothers, and they're no longer people that we need to reach with the gospel. And so what I did in this chapter was kind of give an overview of what ecumenism is, but also try to expose the Roman, historically, what what is really uh, going on in the Roman Catholic Church, because this idea that the Roman Catholic Church, starting in the 1960s, started calling um, Protestants separated brethren, separated brothers as a result of Vatican II, which is, if you know anything about the history, is a, is a, is a, is a marked uh, change in their language towards towards uh, other Christians, so to speak, um, because in, after the Reformation and the Counter-Reformation, they anathematized the true gospel. And, and, and so what I did in the chapter was just walk through history, basically showing that from the fall of the Roman Empire, um, the Roman Catholic Church kind of rose up in its place and became an imperial church, wanting to have both spiritual authority and political authority, which in the, then in the time uh, of the Reformation up through the you know the early 1900s was was an oppositional church. Basically, if you disagreed with the Roman Catholic Church on Mary or on the Pope or, or on on the justification, you were anathematized. 
And then all of a sudden in the 1960s, they warmed, they changed their tone and called us brothers. And so uh, was just basically encouraging discernment that the Roman Catholic Church has to be understood historically over the whole course of its history. And, and that, that they really have not changed their position on justification by faith. They've just softened their language to make it seem more appealing. Um, and that's a strategic choice on their part because the goal of Roman Catholic ecumenism one day is to bring all of Christianity under the Pope to celebrate the, the, the idolatrous um, uh, sacrament of the Mass. And that's, that's very clearly stated in the, in the Roman Catholic official authoritative documents. And so I just basically talked about that and, and because the, the risk, again, is evangelistic or missions that people that we need to be reaching with the gospel can't be classified as, as brothers in, in Christ. Uh, so on an official level of the church, that's true. Every Roman Catholic doesn't always know the official church teaching, so we have to be kind and gracious to, to lead them out of that. Well, thank you for that, Masu. And ladies, if anybody's interested in getting a copy of that book, just let me know afterwards, and we will make that available to you for free. Um, well, Masu and Susanna, our time is drawing to a close here. So before we pray for you guys, let us know, in addition to the people that you've mentioned already and um, the evangelism in general, what other things can we specifically be praying for for you guys and your family and any ministry things coming up? <laughs> <laughs> I think you can always be praying for our children. You know, we talked about children a lot. Please pray for their salvation. Our church is small. Their Sunday school teacher is their mom and our, Johanna, our ministry partner, and and the people in their Sunday school classes, their brothers and sisters, and then and our ministry partner's children. And so they're living in an isolated environment in that sense, uh, in terms of Christianity. And so please pray that the Lord would save them and help them learn to stand on their own for the for Christ. Um, when there's nobody around them uh, who is. Uh, I, I think also in terms of just evangelism, please pray that the Lord would save people. I mean, that's really, the church has to be built through the Lord saving people. That's in his hands, not ours. We plan some events even this coming spring um, uh, for children to try to get to know children and families. We're going to do a, kind of a science outreach to show and apply the Christian worldview to uh, to, to, to what kids are interested in, animals and science experiments, and show how God is, is behind that, hopefully to show them uh, the gospel um, uh, through that and get to know people. So please pray, and just in general, that the Lord would save people, that he would, uh, I say this frequently if you read our newsletters, that God would providentially guide our steps to people he has prepared to hear the gospel. It's a city of 600,000 people, and that's daunting, and so we really depend on God to providentially open doors um, for uh, for the gospel. And, and then I would just add, in terms of ministry, um, for um, for us, just that the Lord would give us wisdom in talking with these people that we talk to, because it is an apologetically challenging environment that we have to give a defense often for what we believe and why we believe it. And uh, and so the, it just takes wisdom and grace in, 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 in doing that. So um, sure, there's other things that I, I could mention, but uh, if, you, if you would pray that God would save people and help us, strengthen us to be his instruments, we'd be grateful. Well, absolutely. It'd be a joy. And we'll close our time now by praying for you. Ladies, if there's anybody who needs to pick up their children, please feel free to, to head out now if you're running short on time. But let's go ahead and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for just this privilege we've had this afternoon, Father, to speak with Massimo and Susanna and to hear about how you are working in Italy and specifically in Genoa where they're living now, God. And 
it's such an encouragement not just to hear the present but also to hear a bit about the past and how you've brought them to this place lord and how you have specifically prepared them through each of their experiences and their time in perugia lord for the ministry here and we're so grateful for how you've brought the johnstons alongside them god and as they now have a team to work together and lord what incredible grace to provide the building for them and now that they already have a church home And we thank you for those six or seven regular attenders, God. We thank you so much for how you have worked in their hearts to impress upon them their need for Christ. And God, I do pray that you would continue to strengthen Massimo and Susanna, Matt and Joanna, Lord, that you would continue to uplift them and uphold them, encourage them, Father, by your spirit and by your grace, that they would have the words to say in the moments when they are around people each day, Lord. We thank you so much for just the the opportunities that you cause life to give us, God. We thank you for their neighbors upstairs and the families at school, Lord, and even people in the shops, Lord. May they view each of those as opportunities, Lord, just as we each should view ours as opportunities for the gospel. And God, we do pray for John Piero, for Stefano and Laura, for Fabrizia, for Elena, and Lord, all the families at the children's school, God. We thank you that you have put Massimo and Susanna in their lives, Lord. We do ask that you would continue to open the eyes of their heart, that they may see your truth, that they may know true wisdom, God. And we pray that you would continue to give many opportunities throughout the city, Lord. We thank you that you are the one who changes people's hearts. And we do pray specifically for the children as well, Lord. We thank you for um, Sandro and Eliana and the twins, God. And we do pray that you would be using every circumstance and every instance that you have providentially given them as missionary children in Italy, Lord to bring about the understanding of the gospel in their own hearts, God. And we pray for Massimo and Susanna that you would continue to help them to be diligent parents, Lord, who are relying and dependent on you, God, for grace for each day. We thank you again for this time. In your son's name, amen. And Taylor wants to say goodbye. Bye. (laughs) Massimo and Susanna, we are so glad we got to talk to you today. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> Say hi to the kids. We missed them tonight. <laughs> you guys can all wave. We'll give you a big farewell. And arrivederci. Au revoir. Arrivederci. There we go, everybody. Wonderful. Thanks, you guys. God bless you guys. We love you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thanks.